It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. Well, well, two hours of Anthony Weiner, and now your final third hour, and I'm like an appendage here. To ask a question, I didn't hear all two hours, Anthony, but I think the big thing that has emerged from these constant uh, different demonstrations, pro-Israel, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, whatever you will describe them at, is the concept of free speech. And a lot of people out there all of a sudden are being ostracized because they're using social network to post their belief. Uh, we saw there's a major uh, doctor at NYU Langone, a uh, cancer specialist. He posted something in support of Israel. They whacked him. There have been Palestinian doctors, likewise, who have whacked something positive about Hamas. Whacked. That's it. Lose the career. Dershowitz, uh, everybody, Nazis, Nazis, they're all Nazis, these kids. I'm like, slow down, Dershowitz. Most of these kids don't even know what the hell they're saying. I guarantee you in 10 years, they may well have a totally different attitude as they got get out of their university or their college life. Others are doxxed. Others are told you'll never get a job uh, if you take a position against the state of Israel like pro-Hamas. Uh, Elon Musk, you're an anti-Semite because you agreed with a post. I'm like, whoa. I thought we're in America here. What is free speech? Because all I see is this back and forth. You don't have a right. We're going to step all over you. Whatever happened to, uh, let's have a conversation about our differences and let's agree to disagree instead of, no, I just want to cancel you out. I want, I want to make it so you never work you never earn a penny. You never go to school. I'm saying, this is not the America I grew up in. I grew up in the anti-war movement. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't, you I don't know, ever remember this. Wait a minute. First of all, let's remember what the freedom of speech is. You have the freedom to say stuff. That doesn't mean there's no accountability for it. Yeah, you want to have a website that has people spewing anti-Semitism and racism and conspiracy theories. I don't have to advertise there. And you're not going to have a very successful business. If you want to be a gynecologist at NYU and you want to spew anti-Semitism, I don't blame the hospital for saying, we have a lot of Jewish patients here. It's not good for our business. If you want to be a college no, no, no. kid. Remember, he was spewing pro-Israel. No, no, whatever. Okay, that's a bad example. If you want to yell at a hot dog cart and yell a lot Islamophobic things at some guy who just happens to be serving you a coffee, and you know, who, who has a, a, a Muslim name. You have every right to do that up until the point. Obviously, you can't harass someone. Of course. But if someone sees it on video and a company says, I don't want this guy on my masthead anymore, hey, with with freedom comes responsibility. That's the way this country rolls. You have a right to bear arms, but you cannot keep your gun unsafely. You have a right to free speech, but there's limits on – and accountability is – 
If you want to go chant a rhythm of the river to the sea and you have no idea what it means and I ask you about it in a job interview five years later because I see a videotape of you, hey, that's what – with speech comes a certain amount of responsibility. And I don't, I don't believe – look, you know, Susan Sarandon says now Jews know what it's like to be uh, – you know, if you're the, her agent, do you drop her? I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, but and, when you say the cookie crumbles – I thought America has always been the bastion where you had the opportunity of free speech. All I see now are both sides just going at one another, trying to kill one another when the other side says something. That's it. We're going to eliminate you. We're going to pound you out of existence. We'll make sure until the, the ends of the earth we're going to come to your house. We're going to go to all your friends. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, uh, but that's not it, the hey, America it, I grew up in. Doesn't it work both ways, though? Maybe Christian or someone can look it up. There's a coffee company that is all about we're a right-wing coffee company. We're like that's going to be our, our niche, Black Steel or something like that. And they're saying our politics are going to be part of our brand. On the left, you see brands do that also. Say we're going to be, you know, we right, believe. That's Ben and Jerry's. That, well, ben and, and Jerry's. they take the hit. They Perfect take the example. Hit, right. and, they, and there are some people, I will never buy a Ben and Jerry's right. pint for that very And reason. they end up buying it. Right. It's called Black Rifle Coffee Company, Christian. Thank you, Christian. The point is that speech does not immunize you from saying dumb things or saying things that offend people. Yes, we get offended. But unlike what you and I do, where the fact that if someone says something, I say something back and then you say something and then we go we go on our merry way. That's the conversation that makes our the world go round. But if someone gets ticked off. That they that they see an Israeli flag and I don't want to buy a bagel there and you go on the air with Sid and Sid we're all going to go there for breakfast. That's the, hey, I understand that, but let's face it: in a lot of circumstances, that never happens. But I've noticed in the land of the free, America, where you have a right to say things that are unpopular, they're unpopular. All of a sudden, every we're going to destroy you. You'll never function. We're going to go after you until the ends of time. I'm thinking of all the young people I grew up with, that you grew up with, that you went to college with, who did pretty dumb things and said some pretty stupid things because they hadn't matured. Do they have to wear that as a scarlet letter for the ends of time? Look, now you're asking a different question. You're asking about we live in a world where everything gets memorialized forever. And look, if I signed a letter, a dopey letter at Plattsburgh State against some cause up there. It's probably circulating somewhere. I would no one would ever know about it. If you're at Harvard uh, Law Review and you sign a letter, an employer is going to find out it. But that's something. Yes, but that's not a function of speech. That is a function of how how long the memory is. Look, look. I'm wearing a pair of Adidas right now. I don't hold it against the Adidas company because they made the uniforms for the Nazis fifty years, however many years ago it was. But if someone decides I don't want to ever buy a Mercedes Benz. Because of their role in building cons, that happens. People are free to make those decisions. And if you're a company and you put a Black Lives Matter a, a that, home that banner I understand. on, I understand. Uh, well, and let me let me let's go to the Speaker of the House of Representatives, soon to be the Speaker. One moment in time, the majority in the House where you served will be Hakeem Jeffries. He right. will be the Speaker. Well-spoken young man, well-educated. There was a period in his time, although he acts like he can't remember, although he remembers every line from a Biggie Smalls rap, (laughs) when he was up at Binghamton University, SUNY, 
He wrote in the student newspapers supportive op-eds of not just Louis Farrakhan, but also his uncle, probably the most virulent anti-Semite I've ever run into, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who was the head of black studies, who did not lose his uh, tenureship, his chairmanship, until the challenge went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. I remember it was Herman Badillo. He was uh, on the board of CUNY. He had graduated CUNY. And so uh, th- that was a memorable fight because all along the way, I Dr. Remember. Leonard Jeffries was winning, winning challenge after challenge. He went to the United States Supreme Court, and then he lost his tenure. He lost his chairmanship. Hakeem Jeffries is now a supporter of Israel. I saw him give the speech when 300,000 people showed up. Right. I pointed out how Eric Adams was very pro-Louis Farrakhan in the 90s. I saw him in Dag Hammarskjöld Plaza give a great support speech for the state of Israel. Do these things end up being carried by you until the ends of time? Or do we understand there's a certain period of time where you may not have been all that mature, you were young, you were exploring, you had different points of view, and now suddenly, for whatever reason, whether it's pragmatic or now all of a sudden you're a homeowner, you got a family, you have other responsibilities, you settle down. You're not as radical as you used to be. I, and I'd use Hakeem Jeffries as an example. That would make him number three in line to become president of the United States. But there are others in well, the on hey, both sides. And you, you and I have had this conversation before. From the river to the sea. Right. How many of these people in these rallies, now they probably do now, now the, now it's become, now people have been told, were out there chanting that because it sounded like it rhymed and they had no idea what they were what they were saying. I don't think every one of those people is an anti-Semite, but you're asking a different question. If you're a politician who's rising to be speaker, all bets are off. You're held accountable for everything that you do all the time. If it gets too hot, you don't belong in the kitchen. But clearly they forgave that. Well, but who, who knows? But you're, the much tougher case is a kid in student government, maybe even in high school, never mind college, who writes a letter or goes to a rally, is photographed, or does something, and, and it sticks with them. That's going to happen. But I think that people are smart enough to make these types of distinctions. It is a very different thing to be a person who signed on to a letter in college. I don't think anyone should be disqualified from getting a job because they signed a letter in college. But I am totally, uh, totally agree that just like anyone should be asked about something in their past, it's perfectly fine to someone to say, I see on the Internet that you signed this letter. But it's not an, a, an, a, an attack on free speech it's an attack on speech we disagree with, which is what makes political debate go around. People say things, and they get yelled well, at for saying let, Let's look at what happened in the House. Oh, we're going to censure. We're going to censure Tlaib, right? We're going to censure Tlaib. All these guys like Lawler, we're going to censure. What did it do? It just made her stronger. Because now she's Joan of Arc. She was victimized by a predominantly group of white men from around the country who said, how dare you say what you said about Hamas and the Palestinian cause, right? I mean, do you think she's weaker Look, now? How never stupid mi- was that? Never mind the effect on her. It is a really tough thing when you start, and I have said on these airwaves, I didn't think that Santos should be thrown out of Congress. I have a problem with censoring people for saying things that are stupid, even things that are hateful. That but what is a censure? It's so meaningless. That's okay. I mean, come on. And all these macho maniacal guys, that's right. We're going to say, and I said, no, no, 
shut up. You're just empowering her. You're victimizing her. She will now become even stronger amongst her peers. I, I think I think that 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 may be right, but I do have a problem with someone voting against her because she holds those views. No, no obviously of not. not. If you want to spend money and go into her district See, and be a born in Detroit and try to beat her, that's right. fine. But I don't think it's the same. Politicians, I think, are a difference. case. And so are we as kind of people who talk about opinions on the radio. You can hold those opinions against someone. The question is when we have moments like this. That people are going out and expressing their strongly held views and they're wrong or hateful or anti-Semitic or whatever it is. What should be the sanction that they pay? And I don't think that governments should sanction them. When people say – when I hear people call in said people should be arrested and thrown out of the country because they stand up and say that they support you know, the, the Palestinians or even if they support Hamas. People are allowed to be dumb and wrong and even in large numbers and do it a lot. But uh, like I said – me as an individual, I can say I simply choose not to associate with that person. I don't want to hire them at my law firm. I don't like them. I don't want them operating on me. I think that's fine. And yet, if you go to these many law firms and you go to these people who are doing well now, you start looking at their past and look at the radical causes they were involved that's in. That's true. The overthrow of America, the support of the Black Liberation Army, the Weather Underground. It goes right on back to Barack hey, Obama and his friends. Hey, if you if we wanted to hold every we wanted to take a look at any of these companies that distance themselves from some employee that they had and you want to start looking at their board of directors and doing a Google search and finding stuff that they said. That's why. Look, what is the first thing that happened when Travis Kelsey started dating a uh, 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 Taylor Swift? People went back to 10, 15 year old tweets to see if he said anything stupid and maybe he said one or two things. That, unfortunately, is a whole different issue. The idea that we now have a permanent digital memory that never forgets. But if I want to be angry at somebody for what they say and never buy their coffee, more That's power fine. to them. That's fine. Uh, make that determination when you're going to choose your product. And as you can see, there's some, there's some uh, companies who proudly say, yeah, we're going to be very politically active. You don't want to buy our haagen stuff. And I, I see them. Oh, I'm not buying haagen and I see how Hagen Das sells in the Upper West Side, right? Which is predominantly yeah. a Jewish community, right? The love, let me see. Not Hagen Das, I mean Ben and Jerry. Ben and Jerry's. Oh, I love Ben and Jerry. So stop this already. It, it's like endless. I disagree with something you say, and I want to drive you out of existence. It's my bane in life. And, you know, I hear Dershowitz, Nazis, Nazi. What the hell? Right. These are young people in 10 years that are not going to have right. the same opinions. Would you stop right. it already? They're not Nazis. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Uno. He's your numero uno. No, we are. But here's another thing, and this is a function of just our culture and our, our, our business. People are looking to heighten every conflict to the nth degree. Yes. yes. Right? Not every one of these kids that's out protesting is an anti Semite, nor is every person who's wearing an American, uh, 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 a, uh, an Israeli flag lapel pin, an angel. It, it's a, it doesn't well, work. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, our colleague, Sid Rosenberg, has discovered his Jewish roots. He no longer wants to be Roman Catholic and Italian. He's a hardcore Zionist. 
I said, if you're going to go to, to Israel and you're going to broadcast, do it from Hebron. Do it from Ephrat, Far Etzion, Etzion. I mean, these are like settlements, man, hardcore. Oh, I'm going to do it from the King David Hotel by the pool. Uh, shit, are you aware that a guy named Menachem Begin, who ended up winning the Nobel Peace Prize, blew up? Blew up the King David Hotel? Are you, are you aware? Do you know that there were two different groups in Israel killing one another, one led by Rabin and one led by Menachem Bacon. They were having almost like a civil war. Know your freaking history. Know that people change. Right, but also you're just as bad saying you should go to the, to the territories, you, you know, go, go to West Bank places. Well, you got to see. I mean— I know, but, but that I would went, be— Look, I went in 1998 to Gaza when it wasn't barricaded in, when it was run by the Palestinian Authority of Yasser Arafat. I felt uncomfortable in there with a red beret for a few hours— but now when people are talking about Gaza, even though it's changed, I have a sense of what they're saying. I went, I saw, I spoke. In fact, some of the Palestinians, they're highly educated. They go to Rutgers, UCLA, they come up to have a conversation with you in English. How come they know English? Oh, I went to Rutgers. I went yeah, to UCLA. Yeah. And I said, well, what the hell are you doing back here? Well, this is where my family is I made from. Aliyah. Yeah, I, but, but on the other hand, I mean, I love Sid, and I think that, that it's great that he started. But, like— he thinks he thinks that supporting Bibi Netanyahu is like supporting Donald Trump. Oh, oh, that guy's a Likud. I'm a Likudnik. I support. You know what? 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 I think he's going to find that if he does go and, and and visit there is that Bibi Netanyahu won't be there if he waits much longer. They're going to finish this war and then he's out on his butt because he's both because I think both sides of the aisle now agree that he was asleep at the switch. Now saying those things, one of the you can say things in a democracy. And that's what they are. They're they're a democracy over there. And you can be anti-BB right now, even in the midst of a war. We were 92 percent supporting Bush after 9-11. Yes. But then it settles down. You go back to your corners and things that you would never – one of the reasons, like people, oh, why are they releasing hostages? They're like, yeah, you could sit here in America and talk that crap. If you've been in Israel, you understand. You're not going to be prime minister if you don't move to release those hostages. There is a large portion of the population that wants you, Bibi, to do everything you can to get those hostages back. Because in their minds, we gave over a thousand Palestinian prisoners for one IDF soldier years ago, and now we're not going to trade for hostages. But I, where are the Americans? Well, How come is- we're not letting them? Hey, it's easy for you to be an armchair general in 100%. America and I mean, look, skew that. And then it's a lot of short memories around. Remember, it was a Trump deal to release 5,000 Taliban prisoners, and we got nothing back for that. But, yeah, I mean, and, and it's the same way with the deal that we did with the, the Iranians to get, like, five people back. Yes, it is very easy to be an absolutist when you're in charge of nothing. You know, Well, oh, I've heard we didn't get any Americans back. Uh, most of the Americans are like dual citizens. You know, the citizenship in Israel, citizenship in America. Relax. We don't even know if they're alive. Let's begin the flow of the hostages. Let's try to get as many that are still alive. And remember, in order to get, you got to give. What do we got? The warriors, they'll be back yeah. shooting at the idea. But it's the same. And then there's of the. Of course. But, we know the, and, that. but there's the crew that's also, let's bomb China. Let's bomb Iran. Let's bomb. And then they're like, oh, I want to commend Donald Trump because he kept us out of these international engagements. Yet suddenly we want to bomb everyone. Oh, under Lindsey the sun. Graham, right. And uh, John Bolton, that's right. <laughs> replacing John McCain. And 
Joe Lieberman. They right. never knew a place that they didn't want to start right. a war in. And Chang and Dershowitz and these guys who, like, everyone should just get bombed. Let's just bomb the Iranians. But I, I just, you know, having been a young person, I was exposed to communism. I was exposed to socialism. I was exposed to anarchy. I was exposed to far-right ideology. Relax. This is something that young people go through. It doesn't mean that's the way they're going to be 10 years from now, 20 years from now. But when I hear the term Nazis from Dershowitz, an educated man, you were at Harvard. Yeah, yeah. How many times did you have young students in your class that virulently disagreed with you? And as long as you had debate, you see, this is what's missing. We're not having debate. It's screaming and yelling, no discussion. I went to Concordia College years ago where they just had a near riot where the Palestinian supporters were like beating up on the Jewish kids there. And I talked to a group of Jewish kids who were being uh, uh, bullied at that time. And I brought in some of the Palestinians because I knew I could keep them in order. And I, I thought I did a relatively good job. They actually had a discussion. Now, when they left, did they agree? Were they hold? No, they just... But they at least they had a little better there, understanding of a, one when another. When I, I went to school at Plattsburgh State University, a conservative part of New York State, very Hell conservative yes. up there. Did so you go with your gun every day? I was in, no, but I was in student government, and I, I had some control over the speakers that we had come in, and I brought Abby Hoffman in, right? How come you didn't bring me in with I Timothy should've. Leary? I we totally spoke should've. there, you know, I both know, of us. I know. But, you know, the thing is – and. No one on campus was that upset, but like in the community where it's also Republicans, oh, some of them and everything else, you? you know, steal this book. He's advocating for steal, whatever. It is. Long story short, I became the somewhat moderate or low left force in politics and thinking and everything else, in part because I was exposed to all up there in, in Plattsburgh was nothing like I experienced in liberal New York. I, I cut kids a lot of slack. All right, and I said this at the very the beginning. I said people have a right to be very, very wrong at this time. And what the mistake that the Dershowitz of the world is, they say, all right, well, I don't have Hamas in front of me that I can yell at, but I've got these kids who are supporting what Hamas is doing. I'll yell at them, and I'll treat them as if they – the, let's remember what's at stake. And wait, the other thing. The, there's one boogeyman in the whole world that's responsible for this. He's not the richest man. But listening to W. Soros, Soros is behind this, Soros, Soros, Soros. Uh, to me, there are way more billionaires on the right. If they were to pool their resources, they could knock Soros right out of the box. Yeah. Stop with this boogeyman. One guy is trying to dominate and take over the world. It's sort of like we need to have the face of an enemy. It's not just right. sorrows. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what we do in political campaigns, and we we need you to, need the boogeyman. We need to set up the straw man that we can burn him down. Like we that that is necessary. I think that the, now that doesn't change the fact that we on the left have a problem on Israel with our kids. The young people today don't have any sense of the history. They don't have any sense of the geography. They're just chanting. They they look at the Palestinians and say, oh, that guy's got a, 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 a red khalifa on whatever it is. I, that's my guy. It's cool. It's cool. And I can hide my face so that my you parents know, back home don't see who I am. Yeah, river to the sea has a nice ring to it. But this has been going on for a while now. This is not a new phenomenon. And, and let me add the other thing. This becomes a social event. Afterwards, do you think everybody just goes home? They socialize. They hook up. All of a sudden, they're at a bar. They're at a gin mill. 
So you protest by day, you go to yeah. bars and gin mills at night. It becomes a. It's what Black Lives Matter we became had a, we in had, the summer of twenty twenty when we kids po- couldn't do anything. We had a population boom around all the peace rallies in the nineteen sixties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so slow down. Many of the leaders of the peace rallies, the anti war rallies, are now the CEOs, the CFOs, the COOs right, right. of the Fortune five hundred companies throughout the world. The Uber capitalists who back then would have burnt money in the streets. Relax. It's part of the maturation process. Let's educate the young people. But once you start calling them Nazis, you ain't ever going to reel them back in. Now, do you think these young people, to the extent that they're voters, you think for this reason they stay home, vote for Trump, or they eventually kind of come to their senses? No, if you depend on these young people to vote, you're wasting the monies that you raise. Uh, on the Democratic side. They're, they're not the voters. But young people, because of because of choice, they had been a force in, like, the Wisconsin legislative yes, races yes. and things like that. I mean, there is a fissure that's locally, going on locally, right now. Locally, I agree, but not nationally. It's still 55-plus, and it's the independent voters. You know, the last 11 days of a campaign, they broke for Trump against Hillary. They broke for Biden against Trump. Yeah. As, as much as the Trump but young, said, no, young, no, 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 But no. the younger voters... And there's more of them, you know, demographically now they're, they're a growing population. The younger voters, to the extent that they go from a 16 percent turnout to a 21 percent turnout or they decide to stay home because we think everyone could, could be there. I, I, think, I think the Democrats do have a problem with their left on Israel. And we, have, we see it in Congress. It's not a lot of people. But it is a voice that is that is getting and, – and apropos of what you said earlier, they're raising boatloads of money being uh, basically anti-Israel, anti-Zionist, yeah. in yeah. some cases And it ain't all just Soros. Yeah. I know we want to make it seem like Soros has an endless supply of money and he funds everything bad in the world. But there are other people yeah. who do that too. We need the boogeyman. George Soros, that despicable – oh, by the way, up next – you got to explain something to me. Eric Adams uh, does only one press conference a week. He said that the migrants, really, they want to sleep in the streets. I don't, the press did not confront him on that because they have so many other things to ask him with only one press conference a week. I, please explain this for me as much as I, I find this impossibly hard to believe. See, left versus right, you actually have an intellectual discussion about free speech. Instead of, they're all Nazis! They're Nazis! Team Lead, application development, sought by 1-800-Flowers.com, Incorporated, in Jericho, New York. Lead team analyzing complex business problems, developing system requirements, designing, developing, testing, debugging, and implementing solutions. Establish quality, security, and compliance. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. So I know, Anthony, you touched on the uh, comeback of uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, Eric Adams, uh, Treading Water, and their uh, career now and the career in the future. But 
The mayor has uh, hunkered down, and this is before that raid by the FBI against his fundraiser. By the way, I had tell, told everybody here there were 12 raids that day. You liar. You're making that up. All of a sudden it came out. Yeah, there were 12 raids that day. Obviously, the main one was the fundraiser in Crown Heights. So he's got a, a, a wide variety of problems he's got to deal with. The problem he's now saying is, is that, okay, we run out of money. The migrants are going to have to start sleeping in the streets. Now you're really going to see how bad it is. And then in the middle of the press conference, because he limits uh, off-topic questions only once a week, he said the following, which nobody in the media decided to take him up on because they had things that he hadn't answered over the course. You know, each reporter has their own little pet peeve. Sometimes they don't listen to what the guy or the gal is saying. It's like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Believe it or not, there are migrant and asylum seekers who are saying we want to sleep on the streets. Uh, I've dealt with a lot of migrants, asylum seekers. There's nobody who wants to sleep well, wait on a the minute. streets. Wait a minute. You yourself have said, and this is not a, an obscure fact. People know this, that a lot of the people who sleep on the streets say it's because they don't feel safe in the shelter. Right? I mean, you have told me that. You've said a lot of the... A lot of the the EDPs, a lot of the people that are afraid of violence, a lot of people don't want to go to the shelters because they don't want to follow the rules. When the city goes out and tries to get people to go into the shelters, a lot of them do say no. Now, I don't think this population is saying that because they're frankly getting some better, as you pointed yeah. out, they're getting actually good accommodation. They're getting ones they're building specially for them in very right. often in, in, in cases, and a lot of times they're hotel rooms if they have kids. So I'm not sure I'm buying it, but you know that that's the case, that there are some homeless people. With Americans, people that, yes, with, with well, those who are own citizens. Some, there are some people that don't feel safe and welcome in the shelter system for a lot of reasons. So maybe that's what he right. means. But the, the migrants are segregated for the most part. They stay with their own. Uh, they have uh, better accommodations than your average American citizen in a shelter. So he says, he throws that out. He throws these statements out, which you begin to scratch your head and say, why did you say that? I mean, how do you get uh, – it's the old uh, uh, proverb so much. How do you get them to come back to the farm when they've been to Gay Perry, right? Well, It's the same thing. It's like they're in New York. Their expenses are covered. They never thought that once they got here, it would be as easy as it is compared to what it is for somebody else who's homeless here. And so don't even say well, that. Well, I don't know about that. I think when they get off the bus in Floyd Bennett Field and look around and say, holy mackerel, where the heck am I? I am like a good five-mile walk from the nearest bodega. I am far from any job opportunity. But wait, if, I, I, no if I had to walk through the jungles in order to get here, I'd, I'd welcome a, a stay I, at Floyd Bennett look, Field. All I know is what I've read. You have more ears to the ground than I do that a lot of the migrants that we built the center for out there did exactly what we expected them to yeah. do, which is like this is not a place to live. So I, I think that there might be some truth to that. But what, therefore, is, is, is the mayor saying? Therefore, he's not responsible when there's, there's TV cameras showing people sleeping on the streets, which may or may not have been a created mini crisis because he wanted to show how bad things are. I don't know. Part of – and I've said this to you 20 times. Part of my problem with the mayor is that he swerves violently between different messages about this thing. He doesn't stay to what I think he should say is, this is a major problem. I need help from Washington. I need help from Republicans and Democrats to help me with this problem. But I'm going to go be the mayor and do this as efficiently as I can, and I'm going to stop cursing the heavens every time you talk to me. 
I'm going to go do manage this competently. If I'm spending $430 a night for these people, I'm going to figure out why that is, and I'm going to try to get it cheaper. I'm going to try to get the the, the Callahan decision either over uh, overruled or or changed as much as I possibly can, and I am going to do my what I can to get the, the, the citizens of New York to back me up on this stuff. And if it's Hochul I'm in the room with, Biden I'm in the room with, Schumer I'm in the room with, I'm going to make the case for my constituents. But everyone, go back to living your life. I'm going to try to manage this as best I can. But now, you can somewhat identify with what the mayor is going through because you had hovering over your head crisis, crisis. You're running for office. At, every, at any given moment, a crisis breaks out. You're still running for office. You had to drop out of the House one time. Yeah, but hold on. But that's as an individual legislator. I could say or do anything. I had no bucks that stopped at my desk. No, no, I understand. But when you were running for mayor for the second time and you leaped to the front unexpectedly, and now, when you're in front, you're the object of all the attention. You could have been down number six or seven. Bye-bye. Right. We told you, don't even bother, Anthony. Don't knock yourself out. But the moment you're in that number one position. Well, they, they, they're down south. They have an expression. They say, the higher the monkey climbs, the more you can see his ass. Exactly. That's what they say. So now you're the mayor here. You're not getting any help on the migrant situation. None. And they keep coming in. He's right. Every day, more buses keep coming into the Port Authority. That's number one. You have this uh, investigation hanging over you that hasn't implicated you yet, but you can see his whole body language. Yes. There's, it's, there's no swagger any longer, you know. It's, the swag is gone. He's like, oh, my God, what other shoe is going to drop here? And then, unexpectedly, a woman out of nowhere, somewhere down in Florida, hits him uh, with a, an advisory I'm planning on suing you for sexual assault, Back in 1993, based on what Kathy Hochul had said by opening up a window for a year, I call it the survivor's uh, rule, uh, so that even if uh, you uh, were sexually harassed or sexually assaulted 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you could go into court civilly but not criminally. Right. That's how we ended up with the case against Donald Trump uh, with Alvin Bragg. And everybody was cheering if they didn't like Trump. Good. You know, justice must be done. Now it's come full circle. Imagine if you're P. Diddy. You got hit not once. You got hit twice. You got Eric Adams. You got um, uh, Andrew Cuomo, who's off in Sicily, plotting his comeback. And Kathy Hochul is saying, you know, it's so successful. I think uh, I'm going to move legislatively to try to expand it for another year. What do you do in a situation like this? When allegations have been made, like like Scott Stringer, right? His mayoral campaign was destroyed by an Asian woman who had been working on his campaign that said that he had sexually harassed her, that he got a little too right. touchy-feely. The fact that she was Asian has nothing to do with it, but go right, ahead. Right, but it's uh, what right. we remember from right. the woman who came forward. And then now he's suing her, you know, as he tries to make his political comeback. Where does it end, Anthony? Well, you know, I talked about this a little on uh, on my show there's a reason we have statutes of limitations. You know, people can say, well, what's the difference if you 25, 30 years later? And it's largely because we have an expectation in a jury system, in a trial system, in our justice system, that you'll be able to call witnesses, that you'll be able to subpoena documents, that you'll be able to interview people on the stand. Well, what if those people have long since died? What if your record keeping in 1990s as a state senator about what your schedules were are long since gone. 
I have I obviously have a lot of sympathy for a victim of a crime and a victim of in this case, it's not a, as you said, it's not criminal, it's civil. But as someone who's been a victim, that they should get justice, even if it takes a very long time. But there is a reason why we have statutes of limitations. Um, and so we'll see what happens. Now, I have noticed, and maybe I've, this is, I have noticed the media, including here, people are treading kind of lightly because there are elements. That I think the idea of believing people, but also saying I trust the justice system to sort this out, are not contradictory things. So I have no information about either of these cases, but I do think that there is a footing, like a very different thing is the Cuomo case. Cuomo has been out and out attacking the person and saying things like, well, the DA looked at it and didn't charge me, which is a very different question. The DA said, I believe the woman. Yes. She was credible. She answered all of our questions. We don't think we can prove it in court. Is very different from the way Andrew Cuomo was talking about it, as if he was been absolved of any. And of remember, there are eleven women. One of whom is a state trooper. That case yeah. is still pending. A female state trooper, but he makes it seem like oh, all these people who he all knew who worked for him or were somehow affiliated with him would form this cabal to take him out. Right, makes no sense whatsoever. I think. Look, and, and but in answer to your question, you're right. Right now, I have noticed. A, sh- a slumping of the shoulders of Eric Adams a little bit. And how, who wouldn't be? I, by the way, you know, I talked about this a little bit earlier. If this is about, and you're going to, you, you could potentially have to bring this up on the campaign trail. If this is about there being most favored nations in terms of who gets services in the city, we might not like that, but that ain't a crime. To say that related is having a big ribbon cutting, we want to make sure that the street is paved in front of our place before we do it. And someone calls up from City Hall, says this is a big deal. The mayor get this done. And Mrs. Crapalucci in Avenue P has to wait to get her pothole filled. Yes, it's not a perfect world. But that is politics, well, baby. That's that's just on surface. I know there are other details about money coming in from Turkey, which is illegal, to then subsidize a campaign. And knowingly, boldly, and brazenly. I mean, here's a guy who, as Brooklyn Borough President and State Senator, ended up going to Turkey seven times. Now, Anthony, I know you travel to some countries. Uh, Generally, in your lifetime, you go to uh, Dominican Republic, you visit the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico, you go to Israel. Before your time, when Schumer was making his bones, you went to the The three three eyes, eyes, Uh Italy, Ireland, and Israel. Nowadays, nobody has Turkey on there. Gee, you know, I'm going to Turkey. And he tells a story, again, from that press conference. What he needs to do is shut his mouth. He, he volunteers too much. Me and my son, Jordan, were sitting around the Thanksgiving Day table and said, you know, we need to take a father and son trip. Okay, that's, those things happen. Let's pick up and go to Turkey. I got to tell you, out of all the places in the world, I do not think that people say... Unless their roots are in Turkey. Oh, let's, let's go to Ankara. Let's go to Constantinople. Let's go to Turkey. So right there, the believability begins to fade. Uh, and know, then the many trips. See, and then the money that the, pours the, through a, a company in New York to your campaign. Okay, that's the Turkey piece. And I should tell you, every not every politician, a lot of politicians who become successful – they have little niche communities. I was very True. popular in the South Asian community because of all things I supported community pharmacists, and a lot of them were, were, were Indian. True. I know that 
Elliot Engel was would raise tons of money in the Albanian community because he has an Albanian community that's quite successful, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So a much easier answer sometimes for for a politician is to say, "Yeah, I I I am a big deal in Turkey. They love me. I love them, etc." But that's quite different from this other element of the story that has emerged of this kind of pay for play around getting government services. Now they say it's the fire department is, you know, people were raising money, giving money and getting on a hot list at City Hall. If these people called jump and people have said a lot of reporters have said that's outrageous because average people are not on the hot list for anybody. Well, the the best time uh, that I heard this brought up was in the South Carolina primary, Republican primary, when McCain was challenging Bush 43. It was very close. And the question came from the reporter who was the host of the debate. Uh, uh, Governor Bush, if a call came in from a regular constituent about a constituent issue, uh, would you handle that the same way you would handle a major contributor? And, of course, Bush lied his ass off. Absolutely McCain said, why are you lying? You know damn well we're going to take care of the person who gave us the money. Come on, George. And that is true. And so when a call comes in from an average constituent, this is what I've seen. I don't know if it was true of you, but I've had, had, um, uh, uh, let's just say, experiences both with Democrats and Republicans. The elected official walks in to whoever handles the constituent service. Is this person voted in the election? What do they vote? Oh, presidential only? Okay. Have they ever contributed to us? No. Okay. Have they contributed to our party? Not sure. Okay. Have they contributed to the other side? Uh, The less yes answers that you get, you can almost tell that that person's request is getting knocked down the totem pole to the bottom. Well, no. My experience is never that. My experience is the average call that comes in, you treat it like an average call that comes in means you do the very best for them. Now, I can tell you that letters that come in, you do look up to see how they're registered together, like my losing Democrats, my losing Republicans. <laughs> but i tell you what actually happens. What actually happens is a macher in the community, a big donor who owns a company, calls up and says, you know what? Someone keeps parking in front of my curb cut here in Forest Hills Gardens. It's making me nuts. I'm like – Hey, that guy runs company X, Y, or Z. That's a big deal. Call the precinct about that one and maybe just send a letter if someone else complained about it. I know um, uh, uh, my former wife, uh, Huma Abedin, she was the deputy chief staff of the State Department. And the one thing people are always calling up for visas for their housekeepers, visas for their drivers, visas. For, and since they – And they're all pairs. And, and they're all pairs in the fancy thing. Fancy. And – one of the, t- the things that Huma had to constantly do was say, listen, we can't get involved in A, B, or C, or D. But when Amy Winehouse wanted to fly into the United States and couldn't get a visa to, to appear on the Grammys, remember this? Before, obviously, before she died. And the, they came back, you can't do it because you have a drug thing on your record. You can't do it. That was it. Now, did they want to help out? Did Amy Winehouse get the attention of the upper brass at the State Department? Sure. But at the end of the day, you, you, right. you're, but, you're smart enough to say we're not going to do Why it. do they lie and say, I treat an no. average constituent the way I do a donut? That's bull feathers. That's probably. That's total bull feathers. You ha- you know, the one, people say that money gets you what you want in politics. That's not true. But money does get you access to people who can yeah, give you Yeah, get your you phone call answered. Uh, either than that, you get introduced to Mr. Click. Right here. Left versus right. Anthony Weiner. Yours truly, Curtis Lee, exclusively on WABC. 
It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. Okay, Anthony, you're in the bullpen. You know uh, Eric Adams and Andrew Cuomo a lot better than I do. And both of them are in a different uh, point of their career. Eric Adams is trying to survive, and uh, Andrew Cuomo is attempting a comeback. If you were advising Andrew Cuomo, who keeps keeps trying to climb out of the, uh, the cage, so to speak, and try to reinvent himself, reemerge. And yet he's got so much baggage there. It's sort of like every time he reemerges, boom. What does this guy have to do uh, to be able to uh, sort of be heard? Because there are many people out there, Sid, myself, O'Reilly. O'Reilly went nuts on him. The best 10-minute rant I ever heard in radio Mm -hmm. on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion. And we're not alone. What does he have to do to get beyond that? Because so far he's been given multiple opportunities here at WABC. The only interview he sounded human in was with Cindy Adams. Yeah. Where, you know, that, that, that hubris was gone. What does he have to do in order to make some kind of a comeback? Because it's obvious he doesn't want to stay on the sidelines. Well, unless he wants to have this conversation over and over again. I think it was 1993. He ran for mayor in the primary against Carl McCall. In 2002, I want for to governor, say. For governor. For governor. Correct. 2002. He wasn't quite ready for prime time yet. He was defeated roundly. He dropped, quasi-dropped out towards the end. And then he went on a, a a charm offensive, calling up people. The only time I've ever had a face-to-face conversation with him, he's called up and said, listen, I know I've been a jerk. How do I improve? Because I want to be of service and then whatever it is. And he, you know, he doesn't seem to be willing to do that, a version of that now of some version of whatever part I played in this, making these women feel uncomfortable and feel offended and feel hurt and feel harmed. I apologize for my part in that. It might not, I might not agree with their conclusions about where my head was or what it was going, but I, I, I'm, I feel a sense I need to make amends to them. Otherwise the version that we're going to get is the version we've been getting over and over and over again of him basically waging an argument about why we should, Pretend it didn't happen. And remember, the stuff with the women is just the tip of the iceberg. He is he is uniformly disliked uh, by people that work with him. And they're going to go out of their ways to make their life miserable. But I can tell you this. If Eric Adams is forced to not run again, people know the Cuomo name and Cuomo's got a lot of money. And so uh, – I don't uh, – he can't use it to run for me. That's right. He can't. But I'm just saying that he – I mean – there are ways that he kind of can that I, I did a little bit of when I was in Washington where I returned the donation and said, could you reissue this to this other campaign? I would issue them refunds and say, as a pain in the neck, it was hard to do. And the benefit, and the, the benefit that you're going to have is that it's a sprint. It's a very quick race. But my view is that all the one thing that people want to kind of see when you've been laid low is that you're humbled by it, not in a bad way. You don't have to to press. I'm here thanks to John and Margo and Chad and these guys and you. You know, remember the first few times I was on the air, all it was was explain where your head was, explain what you're thinking, where you are today, and he is unwilling to have that conversation. No humility. There's no humility. And I don't think – and the the casual 
consumer of news is willing to cut him some slack. But if you're going to hit him and you said, Andrew, just admit that you, you, you don't want to be drag kicking and screaming because he's finally going to have to do it at some point in this race. What I say is do it now. And then with Eric Adams, the swagger is gone. Uh, the defiance is gone. You can see he realizes he is fighting for his political life. I don't yet see an aide-de-camp, though, that can have a needed conversation with him when he's wrong. Eric, you're wrong. you got to straighten this out. I don't think any of the people who immediately surround him are all... It's almost like they're family. They're not even even, going to give him a different point of view. I think he's got to do that. As you approach January 1st, it's a perfect opportunity to swap people out. Some people do it on their own. You know, they say, I, I served you for two years, or I served you for a year. Well, he's got to get somebody or, in there who's going to tell him things he doesn't want to hear. Or maybe it's not in there. Maybe he plays a role like Dick Morris played with Bill Clinton, where it's someone who's off the grid, but who starts to say, here's the way you got to look at this differently because the people around you are not serving you well. But the big question about Eric Adams, you know him better than I, is is he someone that has the emotional maturity to say, this ain't working? I'm going to try something different. Well, I think he has no choice. You looked at the recent polling data, and let's face it, politicians are prisoners of the polls. When you're in a dissent, you know this. The hardest thing is to level out and then make your comeback. When you're riding high in the polls, oh, you're like impervious uh, to any criticism. Now, if you look at the polls, even that part of the poll, it said 7 out of 10 New York City residents polled think you did something wrong in this FBI investigation. You see, that's the one you would have thought, no, come on, man, they're just beating up on Eric here. He needs a consigliere who's going to have that one-on-one conversation with him that he's not going to like. Yeah, it could be, except being an executive polls that no one's popular anymore.